Welcome to the pulse that moves the triangle world today. This one-size-fits-all broadcast is a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, helpful tips, what's trending, events, and boundless other adventures. It's a conversation pit of comedians, politicians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Inspreffer. Hi, friends. Yay, Chef Chidi Kumar of Garland on Martin Street in downtown Raleigh has been named a finalist for the regional James Beard Foundation Chef Award, Best Chef Southeast. Of course, the JB Award is considered the Oscars of the culinary world, and we are lucky to have her with us today. Welcome and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So being you're a chef, let's talk turkey, (laughs) so to speak, pun intended. I don't want to be the reporter who asks the usual, how does it feel to be nominated? I want more of the surreal experiences of it all. Like, I know if this was was me, I'd be sitting with my husband every night saying, Tom, I hope I win. I hope I win. (laughs) Tell us about the experience of it all. Well, um... Honestly, you know, the the um, timeline of the awards was severely interrupted, just like everything else in life was because of COVID. Um, so the semifinalists were announced as usual in um, February, and the finalists were supposed to be announced in March. And, um, you know, everything just sort of stopped at that point, and we were all just uh, consumed with you know, uh, just trying to figure out how to navigate the next day. Uh, the beard awards were the furthest thing from my mind. Um, didn't even really, uh, they, they announced that they were going to postpone it. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Why, <laughs> what are we going to do with our business and how are we going to navigate the next few weeks? And, um, you know, how are our staff going to file for unemployment? What does this mean for, you know, our future and all of that, the, the big worries that I think every small business is um, facing right now and has been for the last eight, eight or nine weeks. So that was sort of the, the uh, backdrop of everything. And um, they announced the week before that they were going to be, um, you know, uh, announcing the finalists. And again, it was just like, you know, it's hard not to think about it for a few minutes at least. And, wonder if you have a shot, but um, just seeing the caliber of the other folks on the list, it was just like, I'm just so happy to be included in any capacity. So I, I really wasn't thinking much about it um, right before it was time for the, the feed to come on Twitter. Um, I did start getting butterflies, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, um, it's, it's, it's an incredible feeling, but it's not, the thing that really drives, um, you know, the minute to minute and the day to day, um, and even like the long term, um, you know, fuel for, for what we do. It's, it's a lovely push and it's a lovely, uh, pat on the back and a, a little affirmation that you made a couple of right decisions. But, um, but other than that, you know, there, there are so many other things that are so much more important and, and, uh, pertinent to your daily life and, to the life of the people that you, um, work, you know, hire and feed and, and live with and love, you know, <laughs> and the community. 
Yeah, it is a tough time to focus on anything else besides getting through this period. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be self-centered at this point, you know. So years ago, when I was reporting for the Chicago Tribune, I covered the U.S. World Chocolate Masters Championship at the French wow. Pastry School in Chicago. I was, yeah, you know, it was really an experience. But, but my point is, when I was back in the kitchen watching all these chefs create masterpieces for the competition, it was so intense. And I wonder, did you have to go through anything intense, any kind of intense process, or how does one get nominated for a James Beard Award? Um, I'm happy to say that I have no idea. Um, it's not. <laughs> It's not something you apply for. It's not a competition. It's not um, something that you, you know, uh, set your mind to. <laughs> it's it's just uh, it's a ballot. I think that is voted on by your peers and um, some other people in the food world. And I've I've really made an effort to not really think about it and find out. And you know, it's certainly not something I'm campaigning for ever. Um, just, uh, you know, my goal is to be better and to get better at what I do. And that's like all of it, not just the cooking part. Obviously, that's the center of all of it. But, you know, who we buy our food from, how we source, um, how we treat our employees, how we make them feel about their career and uh, looking at cooking as a job. I mean, not as a job, but more as a career or bartending or any of these things that, um, you know, people just sort of take for granted um they're really nuanced when you're when you're doing it right there is such a an incredible craft and skill and commitment to it so that's that's the thing that um that matters and if you um if you get it great if you don't you know it doesn't make any uh, what you do any any less important or brilliant or um you know valuable to the people around you so um you know again it's just a little a little frosting on the cake, but the cake's still got to be good, you know? <laughs> well, you kind of answered one of my upcoming questions, which which was, again, the obvious, if you win, excitement, happiness, etc. But my question was going to be the not-so-obvious question, what if you don't win? And you, and you kind of touched on that w with what you just were talking about. Um, yeah, I'm not expecting to win. There's people who've been on this uh, short list for a long time, many times over. This is my first time on it. I'm I'm just excited to be on it, and um, uh, I have no you know no illusions that like I'm I'm get, my name's gonna get called. Uh, and I, um, I I'm still like really thrilled about it. Um, I don't care about winning. <laughs> mm hmm. Who would you think, you know, if you were more concerned about it, who would be the one to beat? I know there's like Katie Button and Julia Sullivan, et cetera. Who do you think is the one to beat? Um, I don't really think about it in terms of beating. Um, the, every single name on that uh, list is someone that um, has just dedicated their everything to doing what they do. Um, everyone on there is equally deserving and... Um, most of them are people that I've spent time in a kitchen with and uh, learned from and admired and uh, befriended and, you know, formed a, a, a really, I think, like a long relationship with. So I don't really think of it as a competition. Again, I don't think of them as 
my um the the person to beat um I don't know I just I just see them all as immensely talented and uh admirable so yeah I you know it I, I don't know how anybody would select it but um there's nobody on that list that is not as deserving as the others so I know this, you've been in the semi-finalist position for this award in 2017 and 2018, and now this- and 2019, yeah. And then now the finalist slot, too, for 2019. You made it to there. So I'm just thinking the third time might be a charm. Um, but, you know, when they when they call this the Oscars of the culinary world, when stars win the Oscars, it opens doors for them. Do you think if mm-hmm. you do win, doors will open for you? I'm sure. Uh, I mean, there's no question that, you know, the recognition um, that comes with any 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 James Beard uh, nod is, uh, it's, a, it's a thing for real. Uh, I don't know what that looks like. I know that since uh, 2017, I've been invited to do events and uh, travel um, and participate in, you know, a, a lot of opportunities that I, I wouldn't get otherwise. Um, but, you know, all of it is still, it's not like, you know, all of a sudden I have like a, a crew of personal assistants and like my life has gotten easier. <laughs> if anything, it's, it's harder work. It's, it's balancing more elements and, um, it's learning how to cook, uh, remotely and pack for that and get your food on an airplane and, um, you know, and train your team to, to, uh, to execute service as though you were there because you certainly don't want your guests to feel that, um, the restaurant's any different, whether you're back there or not. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of systems that you have to put in place, and that means you have to work twice as hard uh, to to make sure that everything is uh, doable. You know, when you're when you're not there, it's uh, you know when you're there, it's hard enough because you want to make sure that you have your eyes and everything, you've tasted everything, uh, you know that everything is like physically working. Everyone shows up for work. Everybody's getting along. The vibe in the kitchen is uh, congenial and conducive to learning and, you know, all of those things. But when you're uh, not there, uh, you have to sort of figure out a way to put all of that in place uh, without being able to monitor it. And so, you know, you rely on your team so much and um, it's really important that they are committed in a way that, you know, uh, allows that to happen. So it's, it's a group effort and, um, it just changes what you do. It's not necessarily, one isn't necessarily like better than the other. It's just different. Um, you, you start thinking about the role, your role as a chef in, um, in a, in a more macro way. Uh, and I certainly learned more about, uh, influencing policy and, food systems and food culture as, you know, me as a part of a system um, through the Beard Foundation. And that was the most valuable thing that came out of being, you know, in that world. Um, just just learning about the, uh, the power that somebody who has a restaurant, uh, somebody who cooks for a living, whatever level that is, uh, there's, there's a power in the food system that we don't often acknowledge, but um, that's, that's, what I started focusing on. And so, uh, it just changed. It, it got, 
you know, sort of more of a bird's eye view and realizing how connected all of those decisions that we make are. That's very interesting. At this point, I would usually be asking, what are you be wearing September 25th at the award ceremony? But last I heard because of COVID, it may be virtual. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Is that, is that something that's being said? Um, that'll be really sad, but um, yeah. I can certainly understand that. I was hoping that maybe make it outside and I would wear a bubble. <laughs> well, let's keep our fingers crossed. That's the latest I heard, but you know, things change every day. And uh, now that we've touched on the whole coronavirus thing and we just heard from the governor that we get to go into phase two. Woot, woot. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what's going on for Garland. When will you reopen? Any new menus coming? And then I also want to touch on your cool heat and eat meal kit. So let's start with the reopening prospects. Well, um, you know, we uh, acknowledge that, you know, the phase two has been sort of uh, launched or or. or there's a partial opening of everything, but North Carolina is a, a big and very diverse state. Um, the way uh, the numbers in Way County are certainly very different than they are in Avery County. Uh, and, you know, it's um, just because you're allowed to doesn't make it all of a sudden okay. It's not as simple as turning on a switch and unlocking your door. Uh, there are a lot of very complicated, um, you know, issues to consider. And, um, we're in a really unusual position of not just, you know, worrying about how good the food is, but how safe everybody is as they come through your doors, uh, whether they're clocking in or whether they're just sitting down, um, for a meal and like the relationship between the people who are working and eating becomes a, a little bit more, you know, um, charged, if you will. Um, so, and then uh, on the other side, the, the math of operating at 50% capacity is, uh, it, that's that's not good math. Uh, it doesn't really work. You know, we, we just started turning a profit uh, a couple of years ago, and that's, how, you know, we turned six in December. So it's um, it's really hard. And, and when I say profit, I mean like five, six percent. Um, so if we're not generating a hundred percent of our revenue, um, we're going to lose money. And that means that we won't be able to stay open. Um, you can only lose money for so long before you go under. Um, so, you know, um, I, we launched Heat and Eat this weekend. Um, well, this week, uh, you know, we have pickup service on Friday and Saturday. We're, um, offering, a very, you know, one kit for this very first weekend, just so we can kind of get our head around it. It's a, it's a whole new way of operating a kitchen and, and food. Um, but it's, it's safe and it's a kit for four people. You pick it up curbside, you order it between Monday and Thursday for Friday or uh, Monday and Friday for Saturday. Um, you get an, an entree inside and a dessert and you can add on wine, beer and, um, a little app if you want. Um, and you, I tell you why that is attractive to us is that it allows us to maintain social distancing in the kitchen. It uh, We control how we're exposed to each other. We have uh, sort of a block schedule where we have team A and team B and they don't kind of work together. So if somebody on team A happens to get sick, 
whether it's with COVID or anything, um, they're not exposing everybody on the team. Now, that's a that's sort of a prep crew. Um, in normal circumstances, when you're selling hot food, you have a prep crew and then you have blind cooks. Um, and they often pass each other. They They might work together for an hour or two. Kitchen gets doubly crowded, and um, you can't maintain that six foot distance. You know, you're walking past each other constantly. You're, um, you're, you know, sometimes you end up touching each other by accident. You're in the walk-in, um, you know, one after the other. You're, I mean, it's just impossible to do that. So, with um, with selling, you know, fully prepared meals that you just uh, that we give you cold. Um, we can we can cut down our crew, you know, um, and then as we rehire them, we want to be really thoughtful about what that timeline looks like. We want to keep an eye on the numbers in Wake County and um, make sure that this opening doesn't uh, open the floodgates and go back to where we were in early April. Um, that would be a financial disaster for us. And um, if anybody happened to get sick because they got exposed in our um, establishment. I just, you know, aside from just the legal liability and any of that, I just would feel um, just incredibly guilty for the rest of my life. Um, this is not a joke, um, and it's it's not just about money. And and I realize that the more than anybody, the economic situation is dire. I mean, we haven't had any revenue since March seventeenth. Um, that's terrifying um but this is our livelihood this is our everything and but um but we're gonna take it slow we're gonna we're gonna really think about it and um not not realize what we didn't do after we've already opened but really understand what we have to do to make it um to make it work on every level so uh, long answer to your question um we don't have a timeline exactly for when the dining room is going to open we're going to get really good at, at heat and eat we're going to expand the options we're going to um, have kits for uh i don't know maybe your barbecue or date night or movie night and um have a chat uh, take home chat uh fun platter or whatever i mean i think People um, are still kind of uncomfortable. A lot of people are still uncomfortable going into a restaurant and, you know, sitting down wearing a mask. A server is not supposed to be within six feet of your guest. I don't know how that kind of service works, um, uh, you know, table side, certainly. So, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of a, a full-service, sit-down establishment. People come and they spend an hour, an hour and a half, two hours with us and, it's not a, a counter service concept. So, um, we're just going to, you know, and every time you, you adjust what, how you cook and how you, uh, present that food to somebody, um, it takes a lot more thinking and planning than people realize. You know, uh, a lot of, most of our food on our regular menu is, um, something that needs to be eaten right away. As soon as it's made, you know, we're, we're, uh, calling for service so like the the runner the food runner or the server can get the food to the table as fast as possible so if we wanted to do sort of takeout or counter service with disposables um you know it's it's that's a different kind of restaurant so we're just gonna sit tight and get good at something that we um we've kind of been preparing for for the last two or three weeks See where that gets us, and then um, and then take it from there. Um, unfortunately, nobody can really plan very much right now, like too far into the future. We don't know what September is going to look like. So, well, you know, I love that you're keeping the integrity of the restaurant, like you're saying. You know, you have a 
a certain, you know, just atmosphere and everything about it. And like you're saying, the food you eat, you serve is meant to be eaten right away and hot and la la la. And so I love that you're keeping the integrity. And also I think these heat and eat meals sound great. I didn't realize they would be themed like a barbecue or a date night. I love a date night meal. That is so cool. I mean, that's, you know, that's, um, those are all the ideas that we kind of wrote down. We, we basically thought about this like a whole new business and we ran numbers and we priced all of our takeout containers and, um, figured out, you know, there's also the issue of, you know, it's not like it used to be where you just call up your distributor or the farmer and say, Hey, tell me what you got. Or do you have this? Um, I need it tomorrow. Uh, everything has been interrupted. So even, even though we have always worked with small farmers, their lives have been kind of interrupted and their business is all over the place now. A lot of farmers have shifted to, um, to like home deliveries, CSAs and retail. So it's going to take a while for things to just, you know, be the way they were as far as the supply goes too. So planning, um, you know, in a normal week before COVID, we would get, I mean, gosh, a dozen deliveries a week. Uh, you know, one farmer brings us like the the perfect radishes and uh, hakurai turnips, and then the other one is bringing us the brisket, and then the other one get, you know, local seafood brings us uh, seafood twice a week, and then we have, you know, um, another couple of farmers that come from the mountains and bring us apples, and you know, I, I mean, that's that's not happening right now. Uh, aside from the supply, it's like we don't want that many people traipsing through our kitchen. We need to be really controlled about it. And we're even asking some of our delivery drivers to just leave things outside. So they're not going from restaurant to restaurant, possibly, you know, carrying something um, and and spreading it that way. It's You know, it's terrifying when you think about it. Um the, the chances may be small, but I'm not a gambler with people's lives <laughs> or their health. So, um, yeah, there, it's all of those considerations. When you really start thinking about it, it's like, oh, wow, this is really complicated. Um, it's not, uh, you know, a restaurant normally is complicated enough, but this, this is loaded, pretty loaded. Well, you know, your employees should be very, and your guest should be very thankful for how you're approaching this, in my opinion, because you're kind of looking out for everybody. And it's such a hard decision. It's such a hard decision because it's not like, okay, today I feel like making this on the menu. This is like decisions about, do I risk lives? So um, it's tough. And I think you've, you've came up with a great solution with the uh, heat and eat meals and, I'm sure people will be looking forward to when you are back with Garland and your Kings and Neptunes and life gets back to normal. So I wish you great luck until then. And, and lots of luck September 25th for the James Beard. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I appreciate the time. In other foodie news, the James Beard National Foundation has nominated Caitlin Golan alongside Chef Chris Shepard for their book, Cook Like a Local, Flavors That Can Change How You Cook and See the World. The book is a finalist in the American category. Golan is the executive director of AC Restaurants, owned by Chef Ashley Christensen, 
who won the James Beard Award for Outstanding Chef last year. Now, here's just a fun fact to close our show. There were 2 million hits on Pinterest the first week of the COVID-19 pandemic for a recipe. Can you guess what the recipe was for? It was for banana bread. That's amazing. So time for our nonprofit spotlight. The North Carolina Restaurant Workers Relief Fund is helping. And you can get information about everything they are offering at ncrestaurantrelief.com ncrestaurantrelief.com. And I have another site for you. It's called plateonline.com. Plateonline.com. You will find additional aid for restaurant and hospitality workers at that site. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. Thanks for joining us via Apple iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, etc. or at our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com. This is Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 take a big juicy bite out of life. <laughs>